Welcome to Philosophy at the Movies, a brand new podcast where we discuss themes in the history of philosophy through the medium of films. I'm Alex Baker, and joining me today... Sean Baker. Today's topic is the 2016 film Shin Godzilla. So, every time we start off a show, we describe the plot of the movie, and in my notes I said... It's a Godzilla movie. I mean, you, you, <laughs> you've not... seen they make thirty. They've made thirty of these over the last sixty something years. You, you know what this is about. Yes. A, a creature emerges. Some, some commentary on the nu- uh, nuclear world, and he goes crazy over Japan, mainly Tokyo, and the government's got to find a way to stop it. Yeah, you know this story. You've that seen is it the before. story. Um, but there's certain common elements in all of the. Godzilla movies I've seen. You've probably seen more than yeah. I have. But uh, uh, it, it's interesting. Um, that's that's the basic storyline. It, it, but it's always interesting to see how the individual films portray the Japanese government. And, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people say, you know, the, the Godzilla monster is a metaphor for nuclear war, for instance, or uh, for um, any sort of a catastrophe that looms large and could uh, take out humanity or take out an entire country and as i was reading about this one um people were saying given when it was made 2016 that there's a the the filmmakers had in mind two recent um catastrophes that actually happened in japan the fukushima uh uh uh, reactor meltdown and then the um the uh Tsunami caused it, yes. yeah, and, th- and there was a tsunami as well, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that's certainly there, and uh, I find it interesting. In, in they almost decided, you know what, we need to do. Let's let's do yet another another reset of Godzilla because I think they've done five or six retellings of the origins of Godzilla. Yeah, if I'm correct, I, I, you lose track. It's just yeah. like a James Bond or something. It, they've, it's been going on so long and yeah. so many iterations, yeah. not even just in Japan, but they've yeah. done stuff over here. You lose track. Your brain just gets scrambled trying right. to think about it. So it's interesting to see the influence of those recent events on this particular one. And, uh, uh, it's an it's an interesting film because of that reason. I think it, it happens almost in two halves. The first, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I was going, why does Al want to do Shin Godzilla? Why does he want to do a Godzilla movie for this film? And then, so I sat down, I started watching this thing. And the first half, to me, is hysterical. It's a black comedy about uh, uh, inept bureaucracies and people wanting to avoid responsibility for possible negative consequences of decisions they make. And it's just a, a, a good commentary on the uh, propensity governments have when they are dealing with what are often complex problems, but sometimes ex- exogenetic problems, very important uh, um, um, uh, emergencies, right? They, they, they have this propensity to grow um, committees and talk about it and talk about it and talk about it and start to begin to make plans, but then form another committee to talk about yes. the deliverances of that committee. Right. And that I found to be very funny. And 
very much a, a commentary, I think, that the Japanese are making about their own government after having had uh, democracy basically since the 50s. Um, the, the, these uh, bureaucracies uh, and committees, <laughs> government by committee, build up. You know, and it, it show, that's another thing I think it shows well is um, uh, executive action by committee is kind of doomed to failure. You actually need somebody like a president that has the um, has the uh, uh, constitutionally uh, guaranteed permission, as it were, to make decisions and kind of circumvent that uh, endless <laughs> endless discussion, uh, which is necessary. But you got to balance. You know, you've got to balance action with um, that. And I think they do a very good job with that over the whole course of the film. Because the second half of the film, the younger people in this government, led by this uh, uh, guy, Rando, Rando Yaguchi, Yaguchi yes. seem to, to put it blunt, bluntly, get their stuff together and uh, um, manage to save the day. Um, so it, overall, I guess if you were to ask me what, what's the message here about uh, government and bureaucracy in dealing with emergencies, I think think overall it's a cautious uh optimism yeah and because i think what if people hear this and they're like why are in a, in a show that's doing uh deeply discusses philosophical themes and movies and ethics why a godzilla movie <laughs> and i will say because people i think when we think of godzilla we automatically think of the campy silly ones from the 60s and 70s ones i because Full disclosure, when I was about five or six years old, I went through a Godzilla phase because that was when the 98 film here in America came out. Mm -hmm. And so I watched that in theaters and then I bought the action figures and I watched all those campy old 70s. And an interesting story about my history with Godzilla. I had assumed I had seen the original Godzilla when I was a kid. And about three something, three, four years ago, I had never, it was up until that point, I hadn't seen it since I was five years old. I was like, you know, I haven't seen this in a while. I watched it. And then I realized I had not seen this one. The, the, the one I had seen as a kid was the American Raymond Burr version, which is basically the Japanese film, but it's basically inserts of Raymond Burr kind of, whoa, what's going on there? Oh, no, Tokyo's going down. Oh, no, I got to do this. It's, just, it's, yeah. But with, but when I was surprised watching that because I just assumed, oh, it's Godzilla. He's going to fight stuff. He's going to fight the giant robot monster or stuff like that. But I was really going, wow, this is there's a lot going on in this movie that I ever gave it credit for. Watching that, I mean, we're mainly talking about 2016 Shin Godzilla, but yeah. you, you, can't, you can't understand that movie, I think, without understanding the very first Godzilla movie. Because that film was 1954, not even 10 years after the end of World War II. And that film is filled with post-nuclear fallout of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. One character in that movie, she was talking about evacuation in Tokyo. She says, you know, I just barely got out of Nagasaki before the bomb dropped. That is still weighs heavily in, the, in, in that first movie. Yeah, we see the reason why Godzilla has emerged was hydrogen bomb testing. The constant hydrogen bomb testing has gotten Godzilla out of you know he was undersea. The constant bombing freed him, and only mm -hmm. all these other extinct creatures. Because when they march on land, one of the characters finds this uh, other uh, species that was thought to be extinct millions of years ago. 
so you see that in the destruction that Godzilla causes when they show the aftermath of that. It could almost it almost feels like you're watching the aftermath of the bombings in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. There's even this very depressing scene when it's they're going to these hospitals and they're carrying people away on stretchers and one of the nurses is using Geiger counter to measure children to see if they have any radioactivity on them. Yes. And not only just with the atom bomb dropping, but also Godzilla has fire breath. Oh, yeah. He destroys Tokyo. Tokyo is set on flame. And think about that. Tokyo is set on fire. So that's not just talking about the bombings in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. That is also calling into the firebombing of Tokyo during World War II, which actually killed more people than the bombings in both Hiroshima and Nagasaki combined. Yes. So they took that and like you said i've uh, doing some research for this you see you know footage of the disasters of the flooding and in the tsunami during the Mm -hmm. earthquake in 2011 and it's that opening scene when godzilla hits oh yeah it looks like that boats are coming down it looks like you're watching so it's yes like i said you really have to see the original one yes and you see this one to really get like what they're going for. This yeah. isn't just another one where he's in a rubber suit and he's drop kicking people. And yeah. those are fine, but they really wanted to there's, go for something in this, and they did a great. That's well, that's why I chose this movie. Yeah. yeah, there's definitely political and I would say ethical commentary in in, in the first one, and I think it carries over into this one because uh, even though we're talking a, a couple of generations later. Um, the uh, experience of World War II uh, had a traumatic, not surprisingly, effect on the Japanese. Uh, toward the end of that war, the war came home to them. And I think part of the appeal of this film for Japanese, uh, and for us, uh, for people that are historically aware of the fire bombings and the, and the uh, uh, conditions leading up to Um, the end of that war, is the fact that the Japanese government at that time, the bureaucracy, um, uh, was very much uh, stalled up, ineffective, uh, uh, at loggerheads with each other with regard to what to do before the Allies invaded. So I've, I've seen some interpretations of, of the film here, the, the Godzilla film here, especially the early one. I'd even say this one uh, as being some sort of a, not quite a personification. He's not a person, uh, but uh, I'll say it anyway. He is some sort of a personification of that coming invasion. And uh, uh, the infuriating nature of this inability of mm-hmm. the government uh, uh, reflects the inability of the uh, imperial Japanese leadership, the, the six people that were decision makers at that time, including the emperor, but also including chiefs of staff of the Navy and Army and uh, others to come to a uh, decision on uh, what to do about this. And they dawdled, and they dawdled, and they dawdled, and here comes Godzilla, so to speak. Uh, They didn't get an invasion. In fact, some of them actually wanted an invasion. They thought they could give uh, America enough of a bloody nose that we would negotiate some kind of a conditional surrender for them. It didn't turn out that way. They waited too long. Um, So I think that weighs heavily on the Japanese conscience. I really do. 
and uh, subsequent Japanese governments have been sensitive to that. And I think subsequent Japanese uh, filmmakers and fiction writers uh, revisit those days for that reason. Yeah, and going back to something, a Japanese film we just previously talked about a couple months ago was Ikiru. Yes. And that kind of deals with the same thing about bureaucracy, even though on that film it's on a much smaller scale. I mean, the big thing is whether they're going to clean up this contaminated water in this local area to build into playground. Yeah. That's not a that's nowhere near the level of importance that we're dealing with here where the country the whole state of the country is at stake. And but there is a Kurosawa influence I think throughout the Godzilla movies. Was actually mm-hmm. the main character in Ikiru is one of the main characters in the very first Godzilla movie, Takashi Shimura, the actor. Mm-hmm. Um and Kurosawa himself was a big fan of the Godzilla movies, and the director of the first Godzilla movie was Ishiro Honda, and Honda worked with Kurosawa on many of his films. So you still see that bureaucracy, and it's still almost like they're saying 60-something years later, between 54, the first one, and now, yeah. where things aren't changing. Yeah. And there is this, like you said, it, it's funny because it's just meeting after meeting after meeting. It's, it's hilarious. So I, I love, I love the, you know, it's always kind of dangerous to overindulge in cynicism, I think, because then people will just uh, stop making efforts to improve things. But the cynicism in this film is just spot on with the, regard the, to the, the favorite yeah. scene is when they're saying it's highly unlikely Godzilla will make landfall. <laughs> and the very second he says that the guy comes in and goes, he what? And then boom, Godzilla's <laughs> yes. going crazy on landfall. Oh, it's yeah. hilarious. So the guy's the guy's holding a press conference on live TV and he's yeah. telling that audience, you know, there, there's no reason to believe that Godzilla will make landfall. And this guy comes in uh, off stage left, so to speak, and tells him that is a classic bit. Um, but yeah, um, the, the, the endless meetings, that, that takes about half of the film. And I, I was thinking as I was watching this, okay, the whole film is going to be this kind of dark comedy satire. Um, so it's completely cynical. That's what I was thinking it was doing. And I thought, wow, that's an interesting take on Godzilla. Because if anything, the Godzilla movies, although kind of campy, are pretty serious. You know, most, mm-hmm. most of the earlier ones. But then uh, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't end up going down that road. It ends up actually being somewhat hopeful. Um, telling, telling us, in essence, that you know some of the old hidebound people that have been running the government for a long time, yeah, they were incapable of dealing with, dealing with it. But this younger set of people who are kind of on the mid-level of the bureaucracy who end up getting tasked with doing the research on how to beat this thing, they actually, in the end, end up doing that. And in a kind of interesting way, I think also, although it's kind of an anti- antagonistic uh, partnership, doing it to some extent with the UN and the US. Um, Mm -hmm. Although it's under pressure from the US because what is the US prone to do according to Japanese? uh, Nuke them. Nuke them, yeah. Let's go back in there and nuke them. And they obviously don't want that to happen. You're not dropping another bomb on us. Right. Collateral damage obviously would be immense given the congested nature of the city. So they realize realize they have, I think it's a two-day window where they've got Mm -hmm. to find the solution and they do. And uh, implement it, and then you know the two main characters, uh, Yaguchi and um, Patterson, Kyoko Patterson, Patterson, who is uh, of Japanese descent and bilingual, but she's an American citizen. I think they kind of end up showing that uh, 
you know, underneath the antagonism and, and, and the pressuring from the U.S. side to get this thing fixed or we'll fix it for you. Underneath all of that, um, there's some sort of a cooperation there. Yeah, and I, yeah. I wouldn't say the film is completely cynical in saying if, if for some reason something like this would happen with a Godzilla-like creature, is it, get the next flight out of there and get the heck out of here because we're going to be screwed. I don't I, it's It shows not that... I wouldn't say that the government is shown as evil. No. They're just... They're just incompetent. They just don't know how to deal with it. They're doing their best, but you can just tell that they're yeah. just not equipped. But then you—that's why you have this—the character of Rando Yaguchi, yeah. and he's the one because they even settled the team. And the first thing he says, you know, we're, you know, we're the pain in the butts. We're, you know, we're not going to kiss kiss ass. We're not going to have meeting after meeting. We're just going to have these forums. You're going to throw it out there. There's no seniority here. Yeah. We know we're all we recruit all of you because you're not the red tape bureaucrats. And they're the ones that get the job done. So I think yes. at the end, they the one, they save the day. They find a way to uh, basically freeze Godzilla. Don't ask me the exact science <laughs> of the thing, but they, they freeze Godzilla and they you know they stop the the bomb from happening. Yeah. But it's interesting as far as this movie is that how does how do are they able to get everything done? They go through different foreign channels. They have to get something from yes. France. They have to get something from Germany. They have to get help. They get aid from the U.S. They originally um, recruit B two bombers to drop these heavy bu- bunker buster yes. bombs on Godzilla. So they're saying that we're interesting if you see other Godzilla movies, especially the, definitely the more campier ones. It's always just Japan that's got to deal with this. And when you're thinking yeah. if something like this happens, it's not just everybody else is be like, okay, Japan, you got this. You're on your own. It's yeah. going to be a big international thing like okay because we don't if it takes down japan who's next who's next yeah Yeah, you know at least the chinese would be interested yeah they're right in that neck of the woods yeah that's what i like about this one as well uh it's it it, it's a a reflection of the reality of international cooperation in in times of extreme emergency or warfare Uh, i think it does a good job of that and what's so funny or what's so clever about it is it is set in that context of a Godzilla movie, yeah. right? Um, I think they do a great job with that. And they, they even uh, uh, highlight the international uh, character, as it were, of the conditions that lead to it, too. Obviously, with um, radioactive waste being yes. the ultimate cause of the thing, and that radioactive waste coming from countries other than uh, Japan, i.e. the United States doing testing or whatever it was we were doing. It was dumping um, waste, wasn't it? Yeah. Waste and I think, think he was from, feeding on it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and somehow or another, the, you know, it create, creates enough mutations where this, this creature is able to actually generate or, or, or use the inner energy generated by radioactive decay. It doesn't need to eat. Um, this brings up something I think is also hilarious in this film that they keep a- they keep asking, well, what is its purpose? What is it doing? What is it doing? Where is it going? And and, and somebody at some point just says, well, it's it's walking. Yeah. <laughs> it's walking. Do we really need to know anything else more about this thing? It is stumbling and bumbling through the most densely populated part of our country. We don't need to know what its purpose is. We just need to to destroy it. And they actually have this debate: Do we destroy it? Live with it? You know, study from it, study which from was it. also in the first one because the Takashi Shimura who was in Akira was saying, no, we need to study this. And you're thinking, how in the world are you going to study this thing? It's going to destroy you if <laughs> yeah, you get close right. to it. That's right. 
Uh, so I, I like it for the, all those reasons. It's a clever movie. I really do like it. And I know it's pointless to say this to filmmakers anywhere, but I, I would say leave it alone. This is really a good telling of this story. Just leave it there, but you know they won't. Apparently, it's there a, are three or four different film companies, and and as it were, Godzilla. I, yeah. It reminds me of comic books, oh, where yeah, you have all these different universes. Godzilla at and, this point is a franchise. It's not just movies in Japan. Toho Studios has yeah. started it, and but there's they, three other studios that yeah, are making them. Have them in Warner Brothers. They make Godzilla yeah. movies here. There, I, there's probably been a lot of video games. There's yep. been comic books. Yep. There, it, it's 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 a Star Wars. It's a Marvel movie. It's it's Batman, Bat, James Bond, whatever. Yeah. It's just a franchise. And now that it's started and it's reached this popularity, yeah, it's, it's not, not going to stop. And I, it's too I, I bad. I still have the action figures for all I know somewhere in this house. I don't know. Yeah, that Mecha Godzilla. I remember that one. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> but uh, uh, I kind of like this one just because it it really pulls together the themes very nicely. And it's darkly humorous at the beginning. And that goes on for quite... Like I said, I thought that was going to be the entirety of the movie. Uh, so it would end up being this very dark comedy, perhaps, where they don't destroy Godzilla. Or they do so, kind of blunder into it and do, it, do so by accident. But it doesn't end up being that way. Okay, we're getting close to the end of my questions here. Um, one of the things I... You just, you just mentioned how you know, there's a lot of stuff here because... Here in America, we just had a Godzilla movie come out last year called Godzilla King of the Monsters. This one was just more traditional kind of popcorn blockbuster fare. And critics weren't so high on it, but there were fans who liked it. And the fans say that, well, I'm not asking for a, you know, a Citizen Kane or something. I just want to see Godzilla yeah. go and stomp stuff and I'm good. Yeah. And the thing I've always been, like, so this film came out, it was the high, in Japan, it was the highest grossing domestic film that year in Japan in 2016. That's and right. It, but it also dominated at the Japan's version of the Oscars. It won Best Picture, it won Best Director, it dominated every technical category, which it definitely deserved. So this is a, so that's a, this is a film that pleased audiences and both critics alike. And I'm saying, why can't you have both? Yeah. That's what the that's what this one did. That's what the very first one did. I mean, sure, it's fine to watch Godzilla like drop kick and throw people around like he's a pro wrestler. But if you if that's all you want, then I just feel that you're setting the bar low, don't you know? It's like if if you don't care about an interesting or compelling story or compelling characters, and that's all you want, then you could just watch Godzilla fight scenes on YouTube and save yourself the money. If you're, all you ask is, I just want to see Godzilla stomp stuff, I'm good. I'll give it a thumbs up. That is kind of a weird reaction to have to this film, I think. Uh, purely from a, uh, a marketing perspective, uh, you can say the, these, uh, this director and this film company were smart. They said, Okay, we can we can we can kill two birds with one stone. We'll make it appealing to the adults in the in the room by introducing the geopolitical and uh, sardonic uh, um, elements dealing with bureaucracy, and we'll also throw in some great special effects, things blowing up. It has what they want. It has you Godzilla know, stomping stuff. Godzilla is gross and blood coming out of his gills and all that. So that's all appealing for maybe the kids, yeah. right? So you get the best of both worlds. Uh, why these people would have that kind of a response that are, I would assume, long-term Godzilla aficionados, 
maybe that's maybe they and and I think they'd be wrong in this assessment, but maybe they feel like the franchise, so to speak, although that's a very fractured reality. It's really not a monolithic thing, right? Maybe the franchise is just a purely entertainment thing, and that's the what it should stick to. Um, but as you've rightly pointed out, that's not the way it started. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. That first movie had a lot of political implications, ethical implications, um, and so forth. So I don't, I don't know why, um, quite why they'd feel that way. Just audience expectations. Some people just don't. If they, you know, the if they see something that's got like glowing reviews from critics, it's considered too artsy fartsy. But if it's got negative reviews, like, oh, I want to see that because I just want to have a good time and watch some fun stuff and yeah. just not think too hard, don't want to think too hard. And yeah. turn my, the phrase is turn my brain off. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to bring up, if I have a criticism about mm. this movie, it is the overabundance of characters. And I think there's a point to it because yeah. every time you see this, you know, you see a new character or there's another meeting or another location, along with the dialogue or the subtitles, you're having so-and-so, director of this and that, and they're at Tokyo, or they're in Okinawa, or whatever the heck. Wherever they are, yeah. yeah. And it, it's so, it, but there's so many characters, like, okay, who's this guy now? Who's this guy now? There's, like, yeah. way too many. I think and it would have been hard as a, a Japanese watching this film, keeping track of everybody. I found the subtitles to be very useful for that regard. Mm-hmm. Now, do I, th- I tend to think it was done on purpose. I do think so, but it is yeah. just that that's the criticism. You're asking a little bit too much of the audience to expect to remember all of these people. And I don't think they expected them to. I think okay. it was, they were saying, look, we're presenting you with just how massive a bureaucracy that the uh, government has, because it's not only the c- civilian side of the government, it's the military as well. And they helpfully, it's like, we're going to help you out here a little bit. We're going to give you the guy's name and, and his title. And, you know, you have them all up and down the chain of command in both the military and the civilian sides of the government they're middle level bureaucrats lower level the highest level like the pm and the generals that are running the show um all of them put together and slowly you begin to realize out of this sea of mediocrity is this one guy you know um yaguchi um, kind of a middle level guy he's managing to find a kind of pull together a team of really quirky individuals as you mentioned earlier uh, he's kind of rising above that froth, as it were, and, and riding on the surface of it just long enough to solve the problem. I think that's entirely intentional. As I did note, I, I think that's the thing is because we watch because we're Americans and fortunately we don't un- understand Japanese. So we watch, we have subtitles, but it's like the subtitles of the the titles or of their position are lying right on top of the yes. dialogue. So I'm just like, What? I'm getting confused. Yeah. Okay, he's that. Okay, now I got to because I got to look back and see what he's saying because yeah. I don't understand it. Yeah. So it's a, as a, maybe as a foreign audience watcher, I was getting just overloaded with information. And yeah. It was giving me a little bit of a headache, even though I do like the movie. Yeah. And what it, what it is interesting, I was watching a video where it shows um, just the Japanese subtitles of the person with their position, and it's Yaguchi. And as he's slowly moving up and maneuvering and getting up, his position's getting higher. His position keeps changing his title keeps yes. changing and it's like a small thing when he starts out in the first meeting but as he's moving up on the chain it gets bigger and bigger yeah. and bigger and it takes up the screen yes and that, that again i think is on purpose um and you know it reflects kurosawa's theme too 
you know, this huge sea of mediocrity and people trying to avoid responsibility or too afraid to try and make a decision because of the negative consequences it may occur. The collateral damage is always an issue in this film, by the way. Um, um, still, there's one guy, a small minority, that manages in that case to solve the problems these women had with the dangerous uh, area and build a playground. Find He finds meaning in his life, ultimately, in, in that kind of thing. It's paralleled right here yeah. in this this one as well. It's a like I said, it's a hopeful message. You know, they say, look, you know, we can't do without government and bureaucracy, um, but we always uh, hope and usually do find people within those vast organizations that kind of rise to the occasion and save the day. Um, I, I think that's part of that mess. I think it's that's very cleverly done with the with the. Uh, 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 organization and, and structure of this film. Okay. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Philosophy at the Movies. You can find this podcast and more podcasts produced by the Stockdale Center by visiting the Radio Stockdale page at usna.edu. This program is hosted by Radio Stockdale. Here you can also listen to other podcasts such as Ethics and the Naval Warrior and The Do-Over. If you like this podcast, you might be interested in my other podcast, Real Sounds, where each episode I dedicate to classic movie soundtracks. That can be found at thesoundofcinema.podomatic.com. So until next time, I'm Alex Baker. And I'm Sean Baker. Sing so long, and be sure to catch us next time on Philosophy at the Movies. <laughs>